Well, good morning, everybody. My name is William, Bill for short, and I have been here a few times, but if you are new and you haven't been here <clears throat> before, we welcome you to Chorus this morning. We're going to, in a few moments, open up God's Word and look at something that perhaps you've looked at before, but never in the same way. At least that's the possibility. Now, here's what's happening. This week and next week, I'm speaking. Now, you can't do anything about it this week. You're already here, all right? Because <laughs> it would be really awkward to get up and say, oh, not him. Uh, but next week, this week, I'm talking about the power of praise. And we're going to look at a passage where praise absolutely uh, wreaked havoc. It did amazing things, and I mean havoc in a good way. And next week, we're going to be looking at the power of the prayer. Now, the power of the prayer is looking at the Lord's Prayer, and you're thinking, well, man, I prayed that, you know. When I was in the sports team, we prayed it, you know, before the... You've seen it, right? Our Father, who art in heaven. We're going to look at it in such a different way. Let me give you a little preview. Did you know that throughout the Old Testament, never, ever, ever was it prayed, Our Father? You couldn't even say the name of the Father. In fact... The correct pronunciation for the holy God was even lost because people didn't repeat it or say it for long, long. Well, they never said it because it was so holy to say the name of God. But Jesus Christ, in that prayer, invited us to do something that only he had done by saying, Our Father, and addressing him as Father. Jesus Christ invites us with that prayer every time we pray it to invite ourselves into that personal relationship with God the Father. Think about that for a moment. Is that not incredible? That's just a little preview. So you can go ahead and cancel Labor Day weekend. You still have Monday, but if you are around, I am looking forward to opening that up, not because anything in there is connected to my word, but what is connected to God's word and the power in that particular passage and the things that happen. I think for the rest of your life, you will pray the Lord's Prayer in a different way when you begin to understand all the power of the words that were put in there. There is not word that's accidental and not word that's incidental as Jesus Christ invited us into that prayer. Now, the two weeks after that, on the 8th and the 15th, you're going to meet uh, Carrie and uh, Melissa Bowman. Carrie Bowman, we have been talking to for a little while about saying, hey, do you think it could be God's will that you are being drawn here to lead uh, this church? And so he's been praying about it, and I know your elders and leaders have been praying about it. They met him on a Skype, and they spent some time with him, talking to him through that. They've read through a lot of things. I've known Kerry since uh, 1995 in, in ministry. I've had a connection with him. And uh, he's, a, he's a very, very special man who's very gifted in delivering God's word. And they're just a great couple. But you know why we're doing this? He's going to come in a few days before that on the 8th. And then he's going to be around till the middle of the month, like the 15th or 16th. The point of that is uh, there'll be some open houses where you get to know them to find out does this feel like a fit? What we're looking for from you are any yellow flags or red flags or, wait a minute, we think this is fantastic. So we're looking to try to drill deep into that, and so we give you that kind of an experience. And it is way better. I believe it's way better than having somebody come in, preach one Sunday on a, a sermon on a Sunday morning, and that's it, and they go away, and you don't have any other contacts. And you know, this is an important part of your life, right? who's going to lead and, and uh, take the church forward and work together with you. So I invite you to that. So next week on the 1st, I'm speaking, and then uh, Carrie will be here speaking the next two weeks after that, so you have a little bit of a, a preview of what's going on. Would you uh, – oh, by the way, did anybody uh, tell Gordo to change his diaper? No, I just wondered. If you would stand with me, <laughs> if you would stand with me, uh, we're going to read uh, from God's Word. I'm going to be reading from Acts, the 16th chapter. You can either turn there or you can listen. It's a story 
It begins with uh, verse 16, and it starts like this. Acts 16, 16 says, Once, while we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled. Curious, isn't it? She's saying the right thing. We're going to drill down on that in a moment. They were so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Has anyone ever had this happen to them? I doubt it. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Yeah, you, you heard right. And the other prisoners were listening to them like they had a choice. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake and the, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights. He, he rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Men, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house at that hour of the night. The jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And the whole family was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God. You may go ahead and sit down. Almighty God, here's what we're asking you this morning. We're asking you if you would speak into our lives from the words on this page. They're not just words. It's an account of one of the most incredible outcomes of praise that we can come across in all of Scripture. I pray that you will open our eyes as to what praise really does and means in our lives. You open our eyes to recognize the enemy. You will open our eyes to how you want to break chains in us and around us. We pray you open our eyes to what it means to fully believe in the name of the George, name of Jesus Christ, not just believe about the name of Jesus Christ. And you open our eyes to the kind of joy, and you'll fill our hearts with the kind of joy that absolutely will make a difference in every circumstance in our life. We pray this in the blessed and the marvelous and the most powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go ahead and begin looking at the passage together. We're going to fire some slides up here. The way it's going to work this morning, you're going to see a section of the passage, and then what I've, what I've tried to do is to extrude from that a series of truths that can make a difference in how we live our life this week, this month, this year, and who knows, as God's Word drives us deeper for the rest of our lives. My, my goal is that you're going to among all the goals 
is to see praise in what we do here and what we've done here, and we're going to do again with several more songs at the end in a different way than you've ever really viewed praise before and what it can do for you. All right? So here we go. Well, I'm not going to read all of the words on here because we just read them, but you, as you look at it, so what do we have? We've got a slave girl that had a spirit, and she predicted the future. And you see it in all the little towns. I know right there in Old Town Temecula, right across from um, some of the shops and that sort of thing, in front of one of the bars, there's a what? A little, little fortune-telling booth, right? And, and you know what? You can go to about any small town, it seems, in California. I know a lot of the beach cities, if you go up and down the PCH, you'll see one of these, and, and they're all over the place. But she earned a lot of money doing this. You get that picture? This woman was earning a lot of money and um, by doing it. And some people were making that money because they owned her. Remember, she was a slave girl. So there was something in it for the people in the town that owned this girl. And she was saying all the right things. We're going to dig down into that in just a little bit. But she's saying the right things. But um, something wasn't ringing true with Paul about what she was saying. Let's go ahead and look at some of the truths and begin to uh, pull these out. The first one, there is a dynamic reality beyond what we see. Now, I know you've heard preachers say that. I know you've thought about that before. But it is so true, and it exists even in this room right now. We can't see it. But I know what's going on even in some of your minds. I, I've sat there. I've sat through you know, hundreds of sermons. Some of them I just wanted to get out of the room. Some of them I thought would never end. You're already thinking that now? Uh, but there is something that even is working on, boy, you know, I've got to deal with this. This is a terrible thing I'm about to do because I'm suggesting something that may be already going on with you. I've got to deal with that. I'm really struggling with this. Okay. Is it enough to admit that does happen? There's distractions that come even at times like this. But that dynamic reality is beyond what we see. And, and, and listen to this. There is a, I want to, I'm going to go to Colossians for just a moment. You, you don't need to turn, but if you'd like to, it's, uh, see, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Uh, the first chapter of the book of Colossians. And I'm going to just read a verse that deals with, I have to do that, you know. The older I get, the more I have to go back through. Being, being waged is an aggressive war between the dominion of darkness and the kingdom of light. Now, if you miss what church is about, I'm just telling you right now what, what the body of Christ is about and church is about. It's about that war. All right? That war is the bottom line of what you're battling. Listen to Colossians chapter 1, and it's verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance. It's a pretty good deal, right? The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance. That's like, that's like forever, by the way. The inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Everything that Christ had to do on the cross was to come and to rescue you, to grab you by the, the, the scuff of the neck and pull you out of the dominion of darkness and place you in the kingdom of light. When Jesus Christ did his work on the cross and in his resurrection, it was that action that was dealt with. But guess what? We're still in the dominion of darkness day by day. We walk around with it. We're in it. We see it. And that's heavy, isn't it? That's why we're really looking forward to heaven. Because you know what? Dominion of darkness stuff is like gone. It's all light. But there is a war being waged there. And that's that dynamic reality that we don't see. That's what's happening. The conflict is being played out in your life. That ought to make you feel great, huh? It is. It's being played out in your life. 
you know, the whispering here, the whispering here, the whispering here. Maybe I ought to think that about that person, whatever it might be. This conflict, um, in this conflict, the enemy appears credible. That's what really makes this conflict tough. Did that woman seem credible to a lot of people? This, these men are telling you the way to be saved. But Paul knew it was counterfeit. I don't know if Paul caught on to that the first time he heard her or it was revealed to him by God's spirit after, because it says for a number of days, doesn't it? This went on and on. But at some point in time, we know this, whether it was immediate or in the middle or toward the end, it hit Paul like a ton of bricks, and he said, nah, this is not of God. And he was so provoked and aggravated that he turned and he cast the spirit out of this girl. He recognized the spirit because the spirit of God was so rich in his life. And the lie is exposed, here's the deal, only when we stand close to him. What's the moral to that story? Oh, stand close to him. And when you're going through it, do you ever go through a time when you don't know the difference between the two voices? I do. All right, I do. Where something really feels like, well, that's the right thing to do, but it's not what God wants us to do. But if it's not bad. It feels okay. And you begin to rationalize through it and everything else. <laughs> Those are the times you really need to stand close. Oh, all the time we need to stand close because those times can come at us at any moment. You know, you don't, you don't get a little bulletin, you don't get a text or a Twitter from God that says, hey, be careful. You, God twitters, tweets, maybe not on a phone or whatever, but God tweets through the Holy Spirit. I hope that's not, I don't want that to be sacrilegious, but... God does, can speak into our life at any moment, any time, whether you paid your wireless bill or not. And he can speak to you, right? But only when you're really listening. When you're entertaining some things that you know you shouldn't be entertaining in your thoughts, and that sort of thing. He's speaking, but it's really, it's just a lot of noise in the background. And it's hard to say, hmm, what am I hearing here? And the name of Jesus Christ breaks chains and reverses our allegiances. Next week we're going to dig into that, the name, the power of that name. What, let me ask you a question. In the garden, now think back to the garden, when Jesus was taken as prisoner, I'm not blind when I stand down here. This is better. <laughs> Plus my white hair isn't reflecting and you're blind. What happened in the garden when the name, when they asked him who he was? And he said, I am. You know, that name I am is sacred, deep name. And anyone that calls themselves I am. I mean, I'm getting chills. Every time I say that name, I get chills. I am. Do you? I am. What happened to everybody? Everybody. They all collapsed. At what? The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus breaks chains and it reverses our allegiances. That's why it's important for us to, to invoke the name of Jesus in the most difficult times in our life. What a privilege that is to be able to invoke the name. Now, next week, we're going to dig deeper into that. Don't you want to come? I hope. I can't wait to come and see what I'm going to say. Let's look at the next slide. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these, these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. That wasn't even the point, was it? That, that's, that's the way Satan worked. What, what were they ticked at? What were they losing? Money. money. You know, money. Oh, I have some. They were losing it. Not much. 
They're losing. So they made up something else. That kind of is the way Satan works, too. You know, he, let's get them over here on this point. Distraction. Uh, the crowd joined <clears throat> in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten after they had been severely flogged. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Now, you got that picture? Has this ever happened to anybody here for standing up for God? I mean, I can't think of anything that's even remotely close. To quite a few things that happened right there. Nothing. I can't think of anything. I mean, look at it. It's not even fun to be stripped in front of people and to be beaten. To be severely flogged. This wasn't like a lash or two. They were severely flogged. They were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell, and then he fastened them in stocks. Now, you've got to get the picture of this. This is, this is really, really critical to the passage and the event that happened. They're bloodied. They're beaten. All the worst things are happening to them. What do you think that inner cell smelled like? There's no bathrooms in there in the inner cell. I'm sorry to gross out, but I think we've got to get a clear picture of everything that was going on here. Let's go to the next slide. With that in mind, because we're going to come back with the next section of Scripture, but we first need to look at this. The enemy makes an offer. He cannot keep, but it's enough to lure, us, lure you into his camp. And, and that has to do, that goes back to the whole money issue. You know, and wealth, and look what you have, and they were guarding their money, and they were afraid. I mean, some of them were probably afraid for their own security when she lost this gift. Not of God, but from Satan. When she lost this gift, don't you think they were worried about their own security? I mean, that happens to us. Does that happen to you? And even when you think about giving to God, are you ever tempted to think about your own security? Does that ever happen to you? Happens to me. It always happens. Because somehow, you know, we get into the point regarding our giving to think that that that's all God's got. You know, he couldn't bless us anymore. So if we give to him and honor him in his name with our giving, that, man, we're going to be destitute. We're going to be done. It's like we don't realize that what kind of freedom and blessing and deliverance can come from obedience. So if that's a struggle that you're having, I want to invite you to ask God to break that chain. Because it's just amazing, amazing what his treasures are like. And we're holding the key to his treasures. I'm not talking prosperity gospel, but we hold a key to his treasures just by saying, I'm going to give you what I got. I'm going to give you of my first fruits to honor you. That's not a sermon about tithing. Well, it just became one. But um, money is an appealing and addictive chain you will keep to, you'll fight to keep. It just is. Because you know, a lot of our, our worth is kind of kind of with, uh, our worth is in our money. Because money is like worth. And it's it just it's counterintuitive to say, if I release that, God will bless me more. I know it's counterintuitive. Well, you might want to get used to that counterintuitive thing because pretty much everything Jesus did was counterintuitive. I'm just, I'm just saying. 
God's, God's way is not our way. It's counterintuitive. See, he, he has this thing where he really like wants us to depend on him. Go figure. But that's, that's the point, isn't it? To come into the kingdom of light and out of the dominion of darkness. The enemy draws you to stay engaged with him by what you see and touch. It just does. We're, we're temporal beings, you know, here on earth. It's what we see, what we touch, that's what we like. That's what we want to be part of. And that's all we see. Even though on the timeline of eternity, which I can't even draw, nobody can draw a timeline of eternity because it would start, but doesn't. It's just eternity. Think about that for a moment. See if your mind goes, you know, you blow up, smoke comes out. You can't think of eternity. It's like, it's almost like forever. I know I'm deep and profound. But our life on that line, if we could draw it from, you know, from Tokyo to wherever, our, our life's like, you know, just a little beep, beep. That's what we hold on to, though, isn't it? Now I'm getting old. I'm not holding on the same way I held on when I was like some of you in your 40s, 30s, 20s, teens. That's one of the advantages of getting old. Start realizing, hmm, that's a short line. <laughs> oh, but there's that eternity thing. <laughs> that's a pretty good deal. When Satan realizes he's losing ground, he will turn up the heat. He'll go violent. And that's exactly what he did on these men with the beating. He turned violent. That will shut him up. No more will they go out and speak. No more will they do the kinds of things that cast out this spirit and we lose money. That will end it right there. Next text. About midnight, Paul and Silas were what? They're praying and singing hymns to God. Did you, do you remember what the you remember the stench and the pit they're in right now? In stock bleeding. Their wounds were not washed. I'll prove that a little bit later in the passage. I mean, they were bloodied from a severe flogging. You got the mental picture? They're in the inner cell. What are they doing? Is that counterintuitive? Yeah, that's counter. That is like, that makes counterintuitive seem like, well, that's a too simple of a word. It is beyond comprehension that they were doing this. This is not physically possible. Well, not in our normal condition. It's not physically possible. And I'll tell you what, this particular, I am very convicted by that first line because I, I've said to myself often, would, would that be me? I wish I could stand in front of you today and say with conviction, yeah, that would be me. I just don't know. I want to be there. I want to get to that place. I want that to be what I would be about. Do you? And the other prisoners were listening to them. Well, duh. Like prison doesn't, I mean, it's just bars. They had to be like, whoa, what is this? In fact, we know it had an impact on them because of something that happens or doesn't happen just a little bit later in the passage. But they're here and they're listening. They're like, what's, what's this? I never thought of this as an option. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. See, I love preaching this in California because you get it. You know, in some places back east or, you know, whatever, they don't get this. They get hurricanes and tornadoes, but this is a violent earthquake. That the foundations of the prison were shaken. It's pretty violent. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. 
So this was a fairly targeted earthquake, I would say. Right? I think it was targeted to the gates and the chains. All of that happened. Well, let's look at some of the truths we can draw from that particular part of the passage. Praising God dynamically uh, called him to intervene. Now, have you thought of praise that way? You know, like on a Sunday morning, you come and you do your praise service. Chris, this has got to make a difference, doesn't it? I, I hate to put too much weight on you, Chris. <laughs> and the rest of you, it's part of the praise team. But I'm going to. I want you to look at that. Praise God dynamically called him to intervene. Praising God breaks chains. I don't, it doesn't have to be on a Sunday. If you only want your chains broken on a Sunday morning, only praise God on Sunday morning. <laughs> However, if you would actually like to have God break chains in your life all week long, have a heart, invite a heart of praise. Invite into your very soul a heart of praise. I do it in my car because that's where I'm allowed to sing if I'm alone. (laughs) (laughs) Or wherever I'm alone. Just to praise him. I'll tell you what, I've done it in some really ugly moments when things are just... Does anybody here ever have ugly moments? Weeks, months? You know what I'm talking about? Or it's only been praise that has got me through that time. Calling on his name. Because there's power. Saying, hey. The time to praise God and pray is both in and out of adversity. That's really critical. Because I really, when things are going well, I I can pray. I like to pray. In fact, wow, this is awesome. Praise God. Wow, what a gift. Praise God. What an incredible thing happened to somebody in my family. Praise God. I'm going to praise right now. But in adversity, it's a little more difficult. It's not the natural first reaction to say, as difficult as this circumstance is that I am going through right now, I praise his name. I'm going to praise him. I have got to tell you, it will absolutely change your demeanor and your outlook. It will. It doesn't always fix everything. Things were pretty well fixed right here. Oh, by the way, though, they were still beaten. They were still scarred. They were still hurting. That didn't all change. In and out of adversity. So pick your time to praise God. Or just, like, make it all the time. Then you don't have to pick on certain times. Hard to praise spirit of praise in your life. The counterintuitive, this counterintuitive activity leads to open doors. We've been making that point all the way through this message, but that just kind of drills it down a little bit more for you. Let's look at the next section. The jailer woke up. <laughs> what do we know about him? He was a pretty heavy sleeper. <laughs> Apparently he didn't hear all the praise going on and everything, right? But he does wake up when there's a violent earthquake and all the cell doors are open and the chain's broken. And he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why? Because he thought they had escaped. But why? Why would a Roman soldier or an official that's representing the Roman government in Philippi kill himself? So what's going to happen to him? He's, you know how the Romans kill people? It ain't pretty. And he knows that his responsibility is to take his own life. And so he draws the sword or spear, however it was that he's about to kill himself, and Paul shouted. Now, we don't know how, I don't know how Paul knew. The spirit may have revealed to him that he's about to kill himself, or he, was, he came in and he was standing over his bed. We don't know. But somehow Paul physically knew this jailer was about to kill himself. And he said, don't harm yourself. 
we are, some of us are here. No, we're all here. To me, this is one of the greatest miracles in the whole whole passage, the three-letter word all. What do prisoners do if their chains are broken and the gates are flung open? They're out of there. 50% of the time? No, 100% of the time. They're gone. We're out of here. They may never catch us. And it ain't nice in here. But they're all here. Now we know that the Spirit of God has control over the entire situation. But we also know, what do we know about the prisoners when they were singing hymns and praising God? When they were praying and praising God? What do we know about the prisoners? They heard, right? Do you think they heard something they've never heard before in their lives? I believe they have. And it was so impacting on them that they said, whatever those two men have, because we, we heard the beating, all right? We know they're in the inner cell. And oh, by the way, Jorge or one of the other prisoners might have said, I've been in that place. That is bad. He said, whatever they have, we want. I want what he has. And I want it now like a commercial on TV, huh? I want it now. Whatever they have, we want it. The jailer called for lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Sirs. I mean, like the whole gospel wasn't even preached to him. Right? They may have heard Paul and Silas because what do we know went on for days? They were preaching the word of God for days. I can imagine in a town like Philippi, it was a, a trade town. It's kind of north, it's in Macedonia, north of Greece, if you kind of get that picture toward the north. And, but they, he heard, he probably heard the message. Let's look at the truth from this one. Broken chains will change you and the lives of those close to you. Changed all the prisoners. And, oh, by the way, it changed the jailer. Now, I think that whole thing that he didn't have to kill himself was probably a real good thing for him, too. He felt pretty good about that. That would get your attention. Wouldn't it? Like, I'm going to live through this? They're all here? Broken chains lead to freedom. All I can think of is William Wallace when I think of the word freedom. Some of you have no idea where I just went. Braveheart. As he laid on that altar about to be killed, what did he yell? Freedom! You remember? Oh, you didn't see it? You got to see it. Do the red box thing. Every time I speak, I tell you a new red box. Freedom. You ever try to put a price tag on that one? They were in jail, but they were still free. They were beaten, but they were still free. See, there's things that the dominion of darkness cannot take away from you. It has no access. No access. Christ gives freedom. Now, I want to stop here. This wasn't really planned. Um, If you're here this morning and you don't know the freedom of Jesus Christ, let me tell you how available it is. It has already been paid for. It's prepaid. Just a matter of you picking it up. It's also a matter of you repenting and saying, I have tried long enough my own way. I'm just sick of trying it my own way. I'm just sick of it. I don't want that anymore. I want freedom. I just want freedom. And I want the freedom that's in Christ. And I recognize 
that you have brought me into. Did you catch that? You've rescued me from the dominion of darkness. And you brought me into the kingdom of light where there is forgiveness. All right? I, I recognize that and I want to accept that. I want that in my life. You know, that's a decision you can make now. Okay. I want to cross over that line. If you do, there's people all over the room and elders. I'll, t- I'll be glad to talk to you. Um, glad to talk about that. But sometimes that happens, even as God's word is poured out like this and opened up, that that happens where that light comes on and you say, blimey, I want to cross that line. Will it be easy? No, not particularly. Will it be freeing? Yes. Will it fill you with joy? Deep, really deep. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Broken chains will lift you to fight for God. You change your allegiance from the enemy's camp to God's camp. You moved over here. No, you're not a traitor. You're restored to way, the way you were made, and that is in the image of God to be part of him. That has been stolen from you, and he wants to give it back. God's purposes. God purposes to bring salvation and freedom. Let's look at the next passage. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Remember, he just asked, how am I going to be saved? You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. So there was some teaching going on there, apparently. Here's what it's about. He had an opportunity to to unload the message to the whole family. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. That's how I know they weren't washed earlier. Okay? Okay. Now he says, wait, you've done this for me. I want to wash your wounds. Then immediately, he and all his household were baptized. Well, they got right to it, didn't they? Huh? Surely we can be baptized. Right here. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. So that tells me something else. They're probably hungry. I'm always hungry after midnight, so that might work for me too. Anybody relate to that? <laughs> yeah. He was <laughs> that had nothing to do with the message. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. It's filled with joy, three letters. Joy. He and his whole family. I mean, they probably had reunions every year the day of the earthquake, right, from then on. They had to. I, I, I'm convinced they had parties. Let's look at the truth. The breaking of spiritual chains only comes through believing in Jesus Christ. There's just no other way that man might be saved than but by the name of Jesus Christ. There's just, there's no other passage. There's no other, there's not a tunnel you can dig underneath or some way you could go around or the force field's broken down, so I'm going to get my way. It's only through Jesus Christ. He broke down the force field against it. And Jesus broke the unspiritual chains at his crucifixion and resurrection. You know what happened at the crucifixion at that hour? It was a tent curtain that separated people from the place they could normally go in and worship, and the Holy of Holies. Well, this Holy of Holies was separated by a tent curtain that was uh, reported to be about three foot wide. Now, that's not a simple little curtain. That's layers of curtain that somehow were three foot wide. And it separated the priests and the people from the Holy of Holies where the full presence of God dwelt. That's the old covenant. And you had to make sacrifices and go through all kinds of repeated things. And only one person, once a year, could go into the Holy of Holies. And that would be the high priest that was totally prepared and washed. In fact, it was so demanding that they tied a rope around his ankle. 
You know why they tied a rope around his ankle when he went in to address the Holy of Holies, the Almighty God? You know why they tied a rope around his ankle? Because what if it didn't work out and he wasn't really prepared? He dropped dead. Do you want to be the one that runs in and grabs him and pulls him out? I don't think so. So they tie a rope around his ankle and they pull him out. That curtain was ripped, catch this, from top to bottom. Now that's significant. Because normally the weight of a curtain, it would start to erode and tear from the bottom to the top. But God the Father ripped it from top to bottom. And you know what? Because of the crucifixion of my son, the death of my son for your sins, and the resurrection that's about to come in my son, you now have full access to me. Our Father who art in heaven. If you could pay for that, what would you pay? What would you mortgage? You don't have to. That changes my attitude toward praise right there. End of story. I don't even need the rest of it. But there's more. And you don't even have to pay $19.95. Your broken chains will benefit your family. See, when the chains are broken in your life, it's amazing what will happen to the people that love you and your family. Whether you're the father or the mother or the brother or the sister or child, an uncle, aunt, it will affect family members. They'll see it. Your broken chains will bring you joy. Your joy. Joy in your life will result in acts of compassion and heart of gratitude. Let's stop on joy just for a moment. Because we're almost done. We're bringing this whole thing in for a landing, right? So hang in there. Joy. That's not happiness. Happiness is like a blip. It's like a temporary thing. Like, I just bought a new car and I love it. I'm feeling pretty happy. So I have to change the oil or wash it or whatever. I'm feeling so joyful right now. You know what I'm saying? Happiness can come in a lot of different ways. My team just won. Feeling good. Just scored a touchdown. Oh, then they ran back to kickoff. Now I'm not feeling so joyful. But joy can't be stolen from you. Joy is so much deeper in happiness. It's something that God implants into your heart. And when you come into Christ, it's there even in the miserable days. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. It is. It's something you can always reach back and draw from. And say, no matter what happens to me, I have Christ. I have eternity. Joy in your life will result in acts of compassion and a heart of gratitude. And your heart of gratitude will create in you a heart of praise. Now, that gratitude word, I believe, is one of the most important attributes of any believer. You can take and line up all the other attributes. This one trumps most of them. Gratitude. When I meet somebody that's full of gratitude, I meet somebody that isn't always asking for more. I meet somebody that recognizes what God has done in my life is so dynamic that no matter what else happens in my life, I don't need anything else. I have so much gratitude for what God has done for me that the difficult and disappointing days, they pale. The gratitude comes in like a tsunami and washes over them. And that's all that matters. Gratitude is critical. If you are a person that struggles with gratitude, I want you to check your heart. And I want, to have, I want you to ask yourself, ask God, God, show me what you have done for me and fill my heart with gratitude. I will tell you, gratitude will give you a peace that you have never had before. 
if you allow it to wash over your life and in your life. I just wish there were people that had an impact on my life growing up and through the years that I had expressed the kind of gratitude that I needed to express to them. It is so freeing and fills your heart with joy. And you know what results in? Acts of compassion. No longer am I doing acts of compassion because, well, I feel like I need to do this. Let me get this one out of the way. I got another point for my spiritual journey. Look what I did for them. But no, now your acts of compassion are for an entirely different reason. Do you see that? What happened here? It says in the passage that joy came into that home. And what did he do? He He washed them. He fed them. What else can I do for you guys? And now he has a heart of gratitude. Thank God for what he's done for me. And then the heart of gratitude would create in him a heart of praise. So that's what we're moving toward now. To ask you if you would consider allowing God to do all of this so that when you praise him, changes everything you're praising him because of a heart of gratitude and oh by the way you have a heart of gratitude because of what he has already done two sides of the coin of praise let's look at the last slide i put a couple of truisms i guess the first one's really the thesis of the message if i'd have given you this right away we could have saved a lot of time Embrace the praise of God for all the power that it offers as an expression of joy and as a breaker of chains. That's what I invite you to do today. I'm inviting you to embrace the praise of God for all the power that it offers as an expression of joy and as a breaker of chains. Grab onto praise. Hold it. Oh, and the last one I think is a pretty big deal. Praise is way more than the prelude to the sermon or a mere punctuation after the message okay it's not teeing it up for the message it is the message Chris why don't you guys in the team start making your way up here um, as they're coming up this is opportunity to get, take an offering should I do that Steve you did it so well As an expression of what God's done in your life, you have an opportunity to give to him, even financially. And uh, you heard that early in the message. Now, we know that some of you give on the Internet and all that kind of stuff to the church. So sometimes when a plate goes by, say, oh, why didn't that person give? Well, first, it's not your business. (laughs) (laughs) And secondly, maybe they already gave (laughs) online or whatever. But I, I will encourage you to test God in this. Test him with your gifts. See what he does in your life. You will be thrilled. And if guys singing in prison could give everything they got to him, imagine what you could do today, what could happen in your life. So thank you. Guys?